0: Monday night, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. This is the show for folks who are worried that Howard the Ducks' third-party run will be the spoiler this November. Uh, as joining Ooh. me... <laughs> I had to do something like that. Uh, oh, yeah. But I hear he hates uh, vaccines and... Um, what else? Oh, the other ones are going around. Whatever. Is it because they're um, tested
1: on ducks? Are vaccines tested on ducks? Is that why Howard the Duck hates them?
0: Yeah, he's against vaccines because they use eggs. We'll go with that. Is there anything with vaccines? They do use eggs. Yes. So we'll go with that. That be actually is a good one. All right. Well, joining me as always is my co-host, Alana. How you doing?
1: I'm awesome. I'm, I'm not contemplating any third-party runs for anything.
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, we were off last week because I was flying cross-country and then had the plague that I'm still... Uh, suffering from, but we wanted to talk San Diego Comic-Con, because it's, you know, the entertainment convention of the year, and all sorts of things get announced, and it'd be nice to be timely and, and talk about all that. Uh, so I was there, you were not, and I guess the question I've got for you would be, is someone who wasn't there, uh, did anything actually, like, break through as interesting to you? Or did you even hear anything um. that, like... Caught your, caught your uh, attention.
1: Not really, but that's because under the circumstances, I was like living in the heat of deadlines around stuff that I'm proposing for New York Comic Con and for uh, other work stuff. But I feel like, you know, you sort of hear like, oh, there are these trailers that are going to be released, and it's I. Like I guess they actually released the trailer of the Legion show that I can't quite believe is actually going to happen. Yeah, it's um, weird. I, so, I'm thinking about this. I feel like there was so much stuff that it ended up just being white noise.
0: I could see that. What was interesting to me was all the stuff was released, all the things that were released, nothing... Well, some things did jump out, but for the most part, the vast majority of it was just released. Like, nothing felt super special. Um, That, you know, the Marvel released some stuff, trailers for, uh, like, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Defenders and Legion was released. um, And all that just kind of, like, blended together into a big shrug. And then, like, a new Doctor Strange trailer got released, and that was all pretty big of a shrug. Uh, for the well, most that's part, well, that movie
1: sounds like it's going to be racist as hell. So <laughs> I don't know if you know new, yeah. new news about that is really going to help anything. Um, um, and
0: then was I mean the a lot of uh,
1: announcement part of Comic Con. Yeah, well, yeah, I wanted, I was going to bring band? that okay.
0: up. Yeah, that's one I definitely wanted to bring up. Um, but as far as like television, there were you know American Gods got a trailer released. There was like all these trailers released, and that was like the big news of, hey, look at this trailer, as opposed to like here's this shocking person that we've been hiding that's going to be part of this. Um, all of yeah. it was very predictable. And and it feels like things that we were kind of, uh, that we've seen before, like, or not before, but haven't teased up to that point. Like, uh, we knew that um, Michael Keaton was being part of the the new Spider-Man film, for instance, and everyone guessed as to who he was. Um, but it was, it was Wait, weird. Who it is was, he? Uh, I believe he's going to be the Vulture.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, you it, know,
1: he's a which great is actor. Weird... And that could be interesting.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it's weird because of the whole Birdman thing, but we're going to go with hey, it. Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was so good um, in
0: Birdman. Yes, that's kind of why. I mean, he's a great actor, period. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, it, it like... Uh, on the ground, the thing that really stood out to me as far as, like, movies and television was DC seems to have, like, actually won the convention out of everyone. Um, Suicide Squad had so much buzz going around. There was You couldn't turn around with, bu- without bumping into someone dressed as Harley Quinn, and it was every well, version of can, her. You
1: never can... I mean, if you're at a con, you can't turn around without bumping into someone dressed as Harley Quinn, but I guess you mean of that particular movie's Look on well, the it
0: Deadpool. was it was all kinds of different versions. That's what was really interesting. Is in the past, it was I would I would have said that about Deadpool. Like Deadpool was the one that you couldn't move around without bumping into, and Harley Quinn was second. This one was all mm-hmm. Harley Quinn, and there was hardly any Deadpool's, which I thought was fascinating. Clearly, he's not in I vogue how anymore. The movie
1: like, knocked yeah. out of their system. I mean, so for me, the, like I'll just say Suicide Squad is a movie that I'm very excited to watch. Um, the piece of Suicide Squad news that most excited me from Comic-Con is it looks like the whole cast did a selfie without Jared Leto, which is great because if I worked for the union of actors on the movie, which would be SAG-AFTRA, and I knew that one of the cast members was sending sex toys to actors who are in my union, I would file a, work, a workplace complaint against him. So I'm entertained by the fact that he is not part of the – we're all part of the same cast, and we like hanging out together. Social media explosion that's coming out of Comic Con. That yeah, what going method goes wrong? Like
0: that's whole, just sexual harassment
1: of your co. Was that? Like, that's what there was also the rat is.
0: thing too, where he's that like dead rat exactly. or rat rat. Yeah, it's just weird, it's like beyond weird. So
1: the more that these lovely people exclude him the happier I'll be, and, uh,
0: yeah. Um, so there's that, but the, I think the big thing was we got a trailer for Justice League, which I don't know if you've seen. No, I have not. It actually looks really good, because it has something that uh, uh, Man and Steel and Batman versus Superman was missing, which was humor. Um, it actually is a, looks like it's going to be... Yeah, a lot of fun. There's, like, actual colors to it. Uh, and basically the trailer is, is, uh... Uh, you know Bruce Wayne going around recruiting all the people, and it looks fun. I, I mean, everyone kind of came out of it going, "Holy crap, this actually looks really, really good." Um, which I is believe,
1: yeah. I mean, I I heard it was described as being very blue and orange, and uh... color scheme. And I'm just like, there's a color scheme that implies artistic intent. That's exciting. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah yeah yeah, it's get and behind blue there's probably orange because of of the flash. I would say, imagine the flash kind of brought the orange to it, um but yeah, like in terms of how it was
1: how how it, things were lit and what the color temperatures were, and I'm just like, dude, like you know if you're making something visual and interesting that's that's really helpful, like you know, like the Tim Burton Batman movie is like not the best Batman movie, but it's a really good movie, and having a specific artistic style. Adds value to the viewing experience, so that sounds cool. Um, and I obviously just the, Momoa, period. Yeah, yeah. This, I don't really have anything to add to that.
0: <laughs> just Momoa, period. <laughs> and that seemed to be. Um, yeah, I was about to say, that seems to be a lot of people's things, is just just have a, 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 a movie of him like staring down Affleck. That, that's all you need. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that's cool. What about uh, the other big debut was the Wonder Woman trailer, which I have gotten some very good feedback from folks over. They, uh, I believe one quoted it as, she felt watching it like she felt uh, watching Shira as a kid.
1: That's excellent phrase. I mean, I yeah. have heard very mixed bag responses from folks. Um, you know, I thought one of the more insightful things I had heard was from L. Collins, who had said that... Um, You know, of course, the Wonder Woman movie takes place in the past because it means that the sexism that Wonder Woman fights is a form of sexism that everybody universally will recognize as being real, Uh, whereas if she's confronting contemporary sexism, everybody's going to be like, but not all men, but it's okay if women are paid a little bit less, you know. So I thought that was interesting, and I'm sure that that is true. And look at, you know, it, it certainly was one of the ways that Agent Carter... Was handling things, and uh, I think what we could call it the Agent Carter Gambit. I think would be my my newfound cinematic term to describe movies making that decision. But we'll see we'll see what it looks like when it comes out. Um, but I, yeah, it feels like I've heard really mixed things from women who are into who are in the fandoms um, about the Wonder Woman movie. Actually,
0: interesting. Yeah. So the the trailer to me, uh, I went in very. I would say I'm not really doubtful. It's one that I'm looking forward to, but wasn't sure. I, I'm still weirded out that it's in World War One. To me, that makes no sense. Um,
1: I'm telling you, but that's the reason why, right? Because then they don't have to confront contemporary sexism in the in the material.
0: They can make well, it be so all
1: about how people used to be sexist in the past.
0: Possibly the the one part, thing that was pointed out that was really good was you can't do it in World War Two because Captain America already did World War Two. So you need you kind of need I don't think another that's
1: war.
0: It's, it's an not, interesting. It's
1: Universe. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, yes, it's a different like, universe. But it's an
0: interesting idea, or an d- d- interesting reason thrown out there that I could at least sit there and go, all right, that kind of makes sense.
1: So there's a saying in Shakespeare productions where people will stage Richard the, the III uh, frequently in World War I and sort of draw yep. visual comparisons there, and people don't stage it in America, at least. They don't stage Richard III in World War II. And that's because when you do World War II through an American audience, it is about Hitler. Uh, however, with a British audience, because the British primary contact with it was like, holy fuck, we're being bombed at home right now. Um, British theater companies will stage it during World War II and it'll be about like the trauma that they you know, personally experienced like, in being bombed at home. Um, so I always kind of feel like there's, you know, the U.S., like we have so many World War II movies we, you know, people joke that the History Channel it could be called the Hitler Channel. Yep. But um, I think that, like, the, in some ways, like, doing it in World War One gives the creative team more free range to do whatever they want because there's less emotional investment in Americans in that war and how it is portrayed.
0: That would make a lot of sense as well. I, I can believe that. Um, it definitely... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes... That it makes as much sense to me as possible. I, my other idea was, you know, you, you don't want to do World War Two because it's been done three billion fricking times, yep. and you have to That's do Nazis. And, it. Yeah, um, but that I think that shocked everyone, and that really kind of the big thing at San Diego that I noticed was DC was all about Wonder Woman. It was very much nice. front and center for everything. Um, it started on they Wednesday have more night. more
1: centric stuff out there for kids now?
0: Oh, or? oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Smart. so it started Wednesday night. Um, there was three DC events that I went to in the preview night. And the first one was their, their toy collectibles. And they had an entire, like a quarter of their section or quarter of their display it was all Wonder Woman. Um, And it wasn't even a quarter, just when you actually put everything together. It was probably half of the stuff they showed off was Wonder Woman. And And was toys for
1: kids or toys for adults? You know what I mean? Both. Oh, both.
0: Both. Definitely both. So there was action figures. There were statues for adults. Um, The one that I actually really psyched about was they had a old school Linda Carter uh, tiara and um, gauntlets that looked Awesome. Oh, sweet.
1: I can totally imagine a lot of women wearing those to their wedding. Uh
0: I will say well, it will be a part of the story a little later on that I was wearing one um later on. <laughs> there you go. My head's large. Well, that, well that's the end of this That's the punch joke uh, punchline of the story <laughs> of my head is absolutely massive. Uh so there was there was all that. I mean there was tons of Wonder Woman there statues and figures and and toys and and um and dress up items like there that was all about what DC was doing at the collectibles. Um, then a little bit later, they opened up the floor and DC was showing off um, their centerpiece was all the costumes from Suicide Squad and bigger was Wonder Woman. It wasn't just costumes for Wonder Woman, they also had a Carter's costume, but they also had a, a little display of um, some of the history. So they had like the sketches. Of um, the costumes that were on the show And stuff that never aired And oh. then the other th- Yeah and I snapped photos of it And the other thing that I thought was really cool Was there was like w- A Wonder Woman animated show That was supposed to air Or that they were working on That never like actually was released So they had yeah, kind of yeah. this, the, the display of that And all the people that was on supposed to be on the show And it was kind of in the style of Super Friends Does
1: so um, that mean that so- they're going to consider Maybe redoing it now?
0: I have no idea. Like, it was kind of a history display. Um, I never even knew about it, so I just thought it was cool to see. Um, and then uh, later that evening, they had a, a thing off-site, which was they took over a parking lot, and they uh, had an interactive thing where you could get into Wonder Woman's invisible, invisible plane, um, which I'll mock a little bit. It was kind of a little stupid and goofy, and there's photos up there uh, on our site of it. But uh the concept was kind of was neat. And then you could put on Wonder Woman's um Tiara and her cape and her gauntlets and get in the in the plane and, and sit and show off. So I ended nice. up the evening with the Tiara and the Gauntlets and the cape uh, on getting photos taken of me in, in Wonder Woman's invisible plane when I figured out my Yay. head is humongous. Um, Congratulations,
1: Earth thirty two Wonder Woman.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um clearly Wonder Woman's tiara doesn't come in extra, extra, extra large, because uh, holy crap! But it was cool. Like they really focused on Wonder Woman, and like that was the big thing this year. Um, they had an mm-hmm. offsite thing for Suicide Squad, but when it comes down to it, like DC was clearly all about Wonder Woman. Um, so, massive props to them. Awesome. And then, so the big news, so we've discussed that there hasn't been anything like earth-shattering that came out of it, but there was something rather interesting with Marvel in that they announced um, a new series of the the world of Wakanda, which I I don't know if you want to dive into and and discuss a little, or, you know, describe it a little bit.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Uh, So... Up for quite a while, Marvel. For quite a while now, Marvel is being uh, criticized for not having any uh, black women writing for the company, and then they announced at this, yeah, ever. The
1: ever part is key.
0: (laughs) Ever, as far Uh, as we know, ever. Uh, No one's ever refuted that one, so we're going with mm -hmm. ever. Um. So at a panel, I'm not sure which panel it was, but one of their panels. They announced this World of Wakanda, and Roxanne Gay is writing, and there's also uh, Yona Harvey is co-writing. Um, Afua Richardson is doing art. There's also art from Alisa Eve martinez Martinez, and, yes. And, and then being co-written by uh, Coates, who also writes the, the main Black Panther series. Um, and yeah, you probably know Gay more than I do. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you want to talk about so who she is and why Roxane she kicked
1: that? Yeah, I mean, it's clear that Roxane Gay, who is one of like a leading writer of feminist theory and just written a lot of nonfiction books, you know, very popular intellectual writer, uh, it's clear that she got brought into this because Tahanisi told them that they needed to and suggested her because yes. they're definitely people who are in similar intellectual circles. And I think that just goes to show that like when you have a person of color in a position of power where they're being listened to, like they bring along other people and it goes to show that this is something which should be, people should be applauding to for not something that people should be applauding Marvel for because clearly yeah. this is because Tahanisi told them to do it. So like if Marvel was just like, Hey, we're going to have a book, you know, written by and drawn by a Richardson, who's, you know, a young black writer and artist Then you would say, oh, cool, Marvel actually, like, scouted her and, like, decided to do this. But no, Roxanne Gay is because Taha Nisi was like, guys, what the fuck are you doing? Apparently you're doing nothing, so I guess it's on me to make sure there's some diversity in the writing staff. And Marvel, of course, is going to try to use this as a way to say that they're diverse. When, again, having, like, just this one project does not make Marvel diverse. Um, This one project sounds really cool. I will definitely check it out. Um, Elisa Martinez, one of the artists on it, is, like, super talented and just one of those really underrated overlooked talents in the industry. You know, Phil Richardson is really up and coming. And Roxane Gay is like, you know, all my friends who like read feminist, you know, feminist theory, like, I mean, she's like a big deal, but it also points to like, how renowned do you have to be if you're a black person in order to get, to write for Marvel. So my joke was that who's the next person that Marvel's going to bring on as a writer The next black writer at Marvel is going to be President Barack Obama.
0: Oh, all right. You're going to go there.
1: No, Cornel West (laughs) wouldn't do it, but but that's what I'm talking about. But, you know, President Obama. President Obama loves Spider-Man, and writing for Marvel is like everybody's secret childhood dream. And apparently in order for Marvel to think you're going to be a big enough seller with the audience they care about, if you're a black person, you have to be like a leading public intellectual. So who better than... The president of the United States, and even then, I'm going to bet that Marvel is going to be like, yes, but will it sell to the white fifteen-year-old boys in Nebraska? Um, actually, no, they don't care about fifteen-year-olds. Will it sell to the yeah. white thirty-year-old men in Nebraska? So that's my theory, my bleak, bleak theory. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that was do you think the criticism, this has been in right? The work for? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how long I, do you think this has I, been in the workforce? Uh
0: I'm going to go relatively short. I my guess is they probably saw the pre-orders from Black Panther and then they were thinking what else could they do with it? Um and uh and it went from there. You know, clearly it, it couldn't have happened probably before Tana Hisi started working with Marvel. So, can't be that long cuz I don't think he's been working with them, you know, a year ago. So, definitely within, I would say, at some point this year. Um, yeah, I
1: guess I'm just trying to, to to track down some causality, like, in terms of, yeah. you know, what it took to make this happen.
0: I mean, they wouldn't listen Shouldn't to him that... unless Black Panther was selling, right? Like, the, yeah. no one thought Black Panther was going to sell uh, as well as it has. Um, even Marvel was kind of hedging their bets in the beginning, where they were just like, nope, we, we've got to deal with him for whatever, 10 or 12 issues, so... It's going to be the ten or twelve issues, so you could kind of tell that they were, um, they weren't quite sure what to expect. But yeah, I I would guess, you know, a mm. couple months. But who knows? I think what's more, yeah. of a topic. But uh, again, uh, Axel Alonso makes a dumb ass fucking statement to the news. Hughes was talking to him because, of course, you know. Why go to any news people that are gonna um, push back and give you a difficult time? And he made a comment of, you know, hey, we can control diversity a lot easier than we can control um diverse or diversity of characters than we can control diversity of the creators because some things, you know, <laughs> happen naturally. You know, Brian Michael Bendis came up with the idea of Riri, so he's gonna write it, but maybe someone else will write it in the future. And it's like, you know, Brian Michael Bendis came up with the idea of Riri, uh, but someone else could have done it like someone else could have actually picked up the torch and he could have been like yes it's my idea yeah. and maybe i will help somebody like flesh mm-hmm. things out but we they they were do pushing it.
1: the whole time like dude that man is writing 80 comics and none of them are yeah. as good as his best stuff used to be
0: he needs yep. a
1: co-writer on this book he is not a teenage black girl he needs a, no. like a young female black co-writer, and the quality of the book would be higher because the guy clearly has too many projects going on, and it would actually resonate with people because it would be written by somebody who has easy life experiences. And he would be doing yep. the right thing morally by, like, bringing in, in fostering new talent. And it's just ridiculous that he didn't do that.
0: Yeah, so... Um, yeah. I'm
1: assuming he used to not push back at all on Axel Alonso, so there you go.
0: No one, of course, no one pushes back on Axel or any of the bullshit that's slung because no one's got fucking balls in the press. And if you actually listen to the panel that we posted, uh, I was on a panel there. I outright said that part of the reason I, I love our site is because we don't care and we will push back and we will, you know, piss people off because in the end, you know, we're not trying to be a billion dollar business and we like what we do and we like blogging and we care. Want, we care. Um,
1: I mean, the question, I, I wish I'd thought about this sooner, and I didn't think about this until everybody was kind of out of the, out of the door, but I want to start a thing where we're just asking, you know, fellow comics journalists and whatnot to, when they're interviewing folks at D.C. corporate, like, ask them what they're going to be doing about the sexual harassment problem and the ongoing employment of Eddie Bergassa.
0: Well, that's been dealt with as far as I know. From everything, it seems like that has been dealt with. Um so we'll see but I mean, you'll be proud i did ask a difficult question to Christopher Priest about um about characters and um him being you know black writer uh at DC so that was my first interview of San Diego and i fully expected to get all my interviews uh yanked but that was not the case i actually got a, a little props for the question so oh nice uh, so I asked him... Well, there's a
1: couple of press people there who we quite like. Um,
0: so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've they been really good. Um, and I got to meet a, a lot of them in, in person. So it was great to um, shake hands for the folks that I hadn't met yet. Um, but So he was the first interview I had of the con on, I think, Thursday. And the interview is up on our site, Graphic Policy. You can go check it out. It's one of the featured um, stories right now. But the, the question yeah, I had for him don't was... Know,
1: Christopher Priest is like a major yeah. black comics writer who was doing a lot of yeah. work in the 90s and then kind of went away. And now he's back.
0: Right. And I found out partially why he went away. So he, uh, he's done tons of stuff. A lot of people probably know him for his run on Steel. Um, he was one of the, the you know, folks behind Milestone Media. He wrote for Green Lantern. Um, black Panther um, is kind of, he had the iconic run that a lot of people compare things to. Uh, so he's doing Deathstroke, very odd character for him to write. And my question to him was, you know, there's not tons of black writers. He's not, there's not, you know, he's one of the few of them um, in the big two. And especially black writers writing a white character, you know, generally what his his thoughts on that? Um, And his response was, you know, that was part of the reason he left the comic industry, because he was getting pigeonholed to being the black Mm. writer writing black characters. And that was part of the reason he came back, because he wasn't having to do that. Um, So I thought that was very, very interesting for him to admit and say. And they gave me no shit at all. Like, they didn't even bat an eye at the question. So I I think people can ask difficult questions. Everyone chooses not to ask difficult questions. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think having him do Deathstroke makes sense because Deathstroke is a very, like, I hate to make it sound all 90s, but like a very dark and gritty character, and we know that yep. Christopher Priest can do that well. So, in terms of tone, it definitely fits.
0: Yeah, he, um, I mean, he, he kept on emphasizing that it, the character was a villain. We're not supposed to like him. Uh, so, I thought it was, it was interesting, and I fully expected, like, I was beyond fucking nervous asking that question. When and is I, that going to be out? Because
1: I, I think I'll check it out.
0: Uh, the series? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I'll have to look it up. But I—that's okay. Just
1: but I definitely feel like I. This has piqued my interest, and I would.
0: I would re- at least give it a give it a shot. Yeah, it's one that like when they announced Rebirth, that was the one that stood out to me. Going, wait, Christopher Priest is doing what now? Um, so, but they, they didn't add, like beat, you know, if there was no questions at all. They didn't give me crap at all. Uh, August 24th is what I just looked up. Uh, August 10th is the rebirth. August 24th is the first, first issue. So we got about a month away. Um, <clears throat> but there was also it was some great interviews. Um, DC also interviewed um, uh, Gary Phillips, who's doing the new Vigilante series Um so I talked about... Oh, yeah, it sounds
1: like they're going to make Vigilante interesting.
0: Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Not
1: just a Punisher ripoff.
0: Yeah, so he's first... Uh, well, interesting... Well, we'll go... Through. So one, uh, Gary Phillips is a, a great crime writer. Um, so he's top-notch in that department. And he's putting the character in South L.A., which, you know, never has a superhero or anything going on in there. So that, I thought, was really, really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and we just talked about, we talked a lot about that. So it was, it was a good one. Um, that was kind of last minute interview. And, um, and that's the
1: character is being reinvented as a, as an African-American character, right?
0: Yeah. And that's actually, uh, so the fun history on that one is vigilante actually had a live action show before Superman.
1: As a pulp, as a, as a Western, right?
0: Yeah. As a Western, but the character itself, was, I mean, he had a whole bunch of versions. Yeah. But I always thought that was really interesting. Um, So talked to him, the guy that's doing um, Cyborg, uh, Mike Sombra, I think his his name is. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was fun. I kind of talked about him and uh, Cyborg being disabled. Like, I kind of cringed a little bit on his answer, but it's his take. Um, So that one should be kind of fascinating to see or to to finally get up. Um, Rob Williams uh, talked about... Uh, flat or sorry, Rob Williams does um, unfollow. Um, Joshua Williamson I talked about for Flash. Rob Venditti was was um, Green Lantern. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of others for other folks. Um, Joelle Jones is going to be up tomorrow. talked to her about Lady Killer. So that's been was... a real
1: breakout title, I know. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. And Dark Horse series very, very cool. about
1: Dark Horse series about a woman who is like a house. Wait, what's the what's the concept on those?
0: So, she's a housewife, but she's also a contract killer. Yes, um, that's what it is. Yeah. So, it's really good for people that kind of like... She's a 50... But it's all set in the 50s, too. So, it's that kind of Stepford 50s housewife thing going on. Um, and she's also a contract killer. Um, love the first volume. It's one of those that a lot of people praise That talk to her about that. Like, why do people like someone that shouldn't be likable? Um, also asked her about mother in laws because there's a whole thing with mother in laws in the series, so it was it was fun. That was a really, really fun interview. And then um Emmy Lennox who did who does Plutona and that just got optioned for a uh film. So talk to her about that. And then the one that I really like and I'm totally gonna forget her name, but give me a second and try to bring it up. Um so a while ago and you're gonna giggle at this one. So a while ago, Archie made an announcement that they're doing a clothing line based on Betty and Veronica. Uh-huh. And they are teaming up with Rebecca... Let me get her last name. Oh, sorry. Rachel uh, Rachel Antonoff, who's huh. like a big, well, like a well-known fashion designer. But here's the kicker. Interesting. Guess what Rachel Antonoff actually uh, came up with? What? I'm with her.
1: Oh, so she she was working on the social media stuff for Hillary?
0: No. Nope. Hillary ripped it off of her. I asked about it. It's in the interview. Oh,
1: interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, so she actually, she's the uh, designer who came up with the whole I'm with her. I got the history of I'm with her as to where it actually came from, um, hmm. which I don't know if anyone knows that one. And then um, I, I'm with her. It was co-opted by Hillary, uh, the Clinton campaign. And I asked, did the Clinton campaign get permission to use it? Um, and it's all in the interview. Like, I can't wait for that to go up because it's kind of awesome. Um, and then I asked her a really good question about um, clothing. And if she is making sure the clothing that they're doing with Archie is being done in um, in factories Not that sweatshops. have like, been vetted. <laughs> yep, that aren't sweatshops. All okay. that. Yeah. And... And she answered. She said, "Yeah, she said, like all her clothes are done in non sweatshops. Um, what's the proper like non sweatshop seems weird in factories that aren't sweatshops, I guess." Um, yeah. So like huh. the whole clothing line is edited and all that. Yeah, it's it's. A, I think it's a really cool one. And she seemed to dig it because I got to dive a bit more into political stuff and that, those type of questions, which I'm sure she doesn't get too often and she wasn't expecting it.
1: Are the clothes going to have the characters on them, or are they clothes that are supposed to look like the clothes that are worn by the characters?
0: Both. So there's going to be some prints. Um, she actually described one that sounds really cool that is based off of Dan Parent's process. Hmm. So, like, his drawing the characters. So that sounds really like a really neat kind of print. Um, some of it's going to be based off of their designs and their style over the decades. Um, she said that there's one, God, I wish I would remember what the st- saying was. It's the saying that Veronica had that was basically like a, like a woman empowerment saying that she, in the comics, she created this shirt and started selling them. And I don't remember what the term was or like what the, the saying was, but that's going to be one of the shirts. Um, neat. Neat. Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: that's cool. I'm all into like, you know, people coming up with creative ideas like that, so.
0: Yeah, it, it was a cool interview. Like, Especially to be able to talk to her about the, the I'm with her and get the full history of that was really, really neat because yeah. I, like, I didn't know what the hell the history was of that. I always thought it just came up with the, from the Clinton campaign. Wow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is an interview that's going to be up on our site very soon?
0: Uh, it will be re- – yeah, that one is uh, audio, so I need to actually like transcribe it. So it will be up probably next week. With Gen Con coming up, I'm going with the easy videos for now and only transcribing one, and the rest of that transcribe will be up probably next week uh, because I only have so much time to do stuff. I understand how that goes. Very cool. But, But it was a good convention, so we got a lot of stuff coming down the road for that and hopefully teasing things out. Um but the big thing that stands out to me from San Diego is it feels cookie cutter from last year that you could have hmm. taken 98% of it and you would have thought that you were you were in 2015 like all the displays were the same the only thing different was the the small details so like the Star Wars set up for Lucasfilm instead of having um you know episode 8 it had Rogue One um instead of having Batman versus Superman in DC Comics, they had Wonder Woman costumes and Suicide Squad. Marvel just had, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy stuff and Doctor Strange stuff. Um, but, like, other than that, the displays are exactly the same. The layout felt the same. Um, yeah, it was, it was a little weird like that. It was very, very weird.
1: I wonder if this is partially them not having enough money to do something new.
0: That was the general theory, was that it's, it's um, people not wanting to spend a lot of money because who knows how much they're actually getting back from it. And the other is, if it's proven to work, why do anything else? Which I can understand. Like, if you know your flow of your booth works, like, why the hell would you do something that's different?
1: But also, if they're just going to be remembering that something succeeded and like just polishing it off and reusing it, it's like could be literally a very financially frugal decision even being made.
0: Yep. Oh yeah, I'm sure that was part of it. Where they were just like, why you know, why spend the budget? We probably I can't even imagine what they paid for some of those booths. It's hmm. gotta be in the millions. Like I, I imagine you and I would be sick if we knew the prices that they paid for some of those booths. They're gorgeous setups. Like completely gorgeous setups. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting like that. And I I talked to a lot of people about it and they all seem to agree that um it felt very cookie cutter or you know, cut and paste from last year.
1: Well, were there any other new creative talent coming on to the publishers that we
0: might not have heard about before? Um Well, the one that seemed to blow up our internet um, and social networks was I was at the DC Young Animal panel, which is Mm -hmm. the line that is being um, headed up by Gerard Way from um, God, what the hell band? My Chemical Romance. Yeah, My My Chemical Chemical Romance. Romance. He actually has Umbrella
1: Academy and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, Umbrella. Yeah, so he actually has legit. I guess he interned for DC before Umbrella Academy blew up, or not Umbrella, but My Chemical Romance blew up and went yeah. to art school. So, like, he's got legit cred as far as yeah. uh, creator and stuff like that. Um, so he's I don't even really know his comics. comics, but I know a lot of people who think that they're just really good, period. Umbrella yeah. Academy's good. Ah, uh, That is really, really good. Um, For anyone that does, hasn't read it, I couldn't describe it because it's been so long, but I just remember really liking it and wanting a new volume. Uh, so uh, his Young Animal line is a whole bunch of really bizarre comics. There's Doom Patrol... Um, Shade The Changing Girl. Um, there's one set in Gotham that I can't think of its name, and there's like a fourth one, um, like something Jones Detective or whatever it is. Uh, but they went and showed off their uh the creative talent and then uh the guy who does uh Transformers versus G.I. Joe, which everyone loves, Tom Scioli. Yeah. Uh, he is doing backup for I believe Shade, or it might have been Doom Patrol, but he's doing mini uh, backup stories, and he's doing Super Friends.
1: That's great. I'm all about bringing on the crazy. My question with Young animal is, like, does it seem like this is DC trying to replace Vertigo,
0: basically? No. No. Um, They did talk about that, and the answer is definitely no. It it is a pop-up thing. And think of it more as kind of like a mini universe. Like the stories are connected. Um, it's just kind of under creative control of um, of Gerard Way. But I think that's. You know, the
1: are, are, are any of the writers or artists he's bringing in women or people of color?
0: Um, there was definitely women on the stage. Mm-hmm. I can't say about people of color because not everyone was there and I don't know everyone's right. you don't thing, know. which is kind of... Yeah. Um, So I'm not going to poo-poo that, but... Like, we don't know, comics, but we, still think we have something yeah. we should keep an eye out for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the comics themselves is... Um, Shade is a woman now. Um, So there's that. There is... Uh, what was the other one? The Gotham story, the one that takes place in Gotham, I think is uh, a woman is the main character. So you've got the group book in Doom Patrol, two headed up by women, and I forgot what the fourth one is. I think that's a dude, but it, um, but so at least you know, the there's variations of the, of who's going to be in the comics, so it's not all guys. Yeah, that's um, cool.
1: I mean, they're bringing that they, Doom Patrol, and I don't—I don't even know what
0: to make of that. But yeah, well, so the interesting was off of that panel, and I still have to write it up. Is it all they're going to be doing like a lot of not really avant-garde stuff, but like you know, think of hey, this is a cover based off of um, blacklight posters, and you know, we're, we'll see if we can try to include a blacklight with it, so that they're actually thinking through doing like artsy. Um, cool like variations and trying different things with the with the comics. Uh-huh. Um so it's one to watch. Like I, I'm definitely intrigued by it just because of well Way's involvement. But it also sounds like they're actually gonna try interesting, weird stuff. Um and the other thing I would say is the big difference between this and Vertigo is and this is all D C characters. So Vertigo, I think, is they're trying to do more of, like, indie, um, create-our-own stuff. This is very much within, you know, characters who are part of DC's history. Um, Got it. Got
1: it. I'm still just trying to understand the whole getting rid of Shelley Bond thing and trying to figure out. She had been, been, um, you know, running Vertigo, basically, and... They got rid of her, and it was sort of confusing to me that they were also then beginning a new imprint that kind of seemed a bit like Vertigo, but under the auspices of a man.
0: Yeah, I think it was bad timing on that. And let's face it, Vertigo hasn't been doing well for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I go back to I hear Clean Room is
1: excellent, body. and I have
0: not read it. Gail Simone's Clean Room, um, uh, which is under Vertigo. Yeah, it's really good. It's just it's not necessarily my thing, so I would recommend it to folks. Like if you like horror, horror and things like that, like it's really really good. Um, Unfollow I think is really interesting. Um, I interviewed the the writer of that, and that one kind of takes on um, social networking. So try to think like the social network meets battle royale in a way. Interesting. Yeah, so the concept is, this is basically the guy is the one that created Twitter. He's dying of cancer, decides to take his billions and split it between 140 people, and <laughs> the um and then you know if someone dies off, the, their money is then redistributed to the 140 or 139, whatever's left. Um, so it comes out in that question of like, are you happy with a hundred million dollars, or do you want to go for the full ten billion type of thing? Um, got it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You might dig it because it, it does dig into, um, er, like it does kind of think about online personalities and, uh, social network celebrities. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting one. And I think I asked some decent questions for that, that interview.
1: So, uh, um, I know, obviously, Image didn't do anything because they've got their own cons convention. Or is there anything big yeah. coming out of Dark Horse or Boom?
0: Well, so that's the thing that I think is really interesting. So comics this year, their big announcements a lot felt like here's what's coming out in the next previews and we're releasing in October. There wasn't a whole lot that really jumped out at me. Um, I mean, I think the most interesting thing... Was Dark Horse announced a series by Kate Leth, Megan Levins, and Marisa Louise called Spell on Wheels Night of the Wand? Um, which is like, you know, another magical girl series, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, you know, there's three billion of them at this point. So I'm kind of fascinated to see, like, what might be new of it. But, like, that's the biggest announcement that I can think of. Image didn't really announce anything. Um,. Boom is doing WWE comics, which I know there's tons of WWE comic fans. Uh, who WWE yeah, fans are, like all
1: fans. the comics people are super into pro wrestling right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would imagine that would do well, but other than that, um, there's there, comic wise, it was quiet. Like I swear, everyone's releases were like, "Here's what's coming out in October." It was very weird. And yeah, I wonder I, if they,
1: like, are just timing their things to not be up at that moment to be competing with the other big, like, movie properties or something.
0: That's what I think. Like, I think everyone is scared to uh, to announce stuff because they think they're going to be um, run over by all the movies and television stuff. So I don't – I think it's fascinating because my gut would be counter-program and have an announcement or two in my pocket just in case nothing big was being done and then drop that, you know, drop those big announcements, but no one did it. Like, um, you know, um, uh, Joe Illich, who is awesome, has, is now working for Lion Forge, and clearly Lion Forge has got something up their sleeves that they're working on. Cause Joe keeps on tweeting up, um, really intriguing stuff. And like, yeah, I, I've never I, heard I, of
1: them before. And I was thinking like, Oh, this is like yet another one of those publishers that I've never heard of. But then I looked at like what they've done and it's, they actually have had their hands on things people actually yeah. read and care about.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got, like, good properties, and it sounds like they're going to be doing more original stuff. Um, and he's been, like, tweet, uh, for teasing a whole bunch of stuff. I kept on, like, bugging him, being like, oh, dude, no, you should drop whatever you're doing at San Diego. No one's going to have announcements during the convention. Um, and it doesn't look mm. like that's, that was the case, but uh, I would imagine we'll probably see stuff more geared towards New York. Um, It really seems like New York and Emerald City and C2E2 are now the, like, big comic announcements, and everyone is just kind of, like, moved away from um, San Diego. I think a lot of the comic companies go to San Diego to cut deals and be seen as opposed to make announcement in news. Well,
1: that is really logical, I think, frankly,
0: you know? Yeah. Logical and depressing, (laughs) but logical.
1: It is. It is. I wonder if there's any, any changes that will happen as a result. Like maybe things like images convention where they just do image stuff, maybe that's going to be a model for other publishers. Like I mean, for one thing, like I'm looking at Black Mask Studios is having this huge year. I mean, Kim and Kim is one of the best-reviewed debut comics um, yep. Rosen, you know, Matthew Rosenberg, who, by the way, the writer of which Matt, Delina Visaggio, was on our podcast recently. Folks can check it out. Matt Rosenberg, who was also on our podcast recently, has two comics on Black, Black. I can't even speak, Black Black Studios. They're also selling really well. Like, it just seems like they're exploding in terms of popularity.
0: Yeah, I mean, they had a, a very small um, a small booth. Um, their, their exclusives sold out really quickly. And are going through obnoxious, you know, going for obnoxious amounts right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been quiet; It was pretty quiet for them. I, I don't think there was any like major announcements that I saw. Um, I'm trying to think who el- like, what else interesting booths that I saw. Uh, so there was it, Bart Sears. Do you remember the creator Bart Sears at all? No. No. So he's big in the 80s. Let me try to think of, like, find some stuff that he's done that you might know. 80s and 90s was kind of his big thing. Um, He did a bunch I mean, he's for everyone. He did a lot of stuff for Valiant. Um, Let's see here. Justice League Europe. Legends of Dark Knight, War Turek, Violator. Um, basically through god knows how much stuff. Um but him and Ron Mars is or, uh, Ron Mars is kicking off a uh, a new uh publisher. Um that they gave me their press stuff, so I'm going to go and um sit down and go through all that to uh talk about them a little bit and then there's another publisher that was there that was new called The Vault. Um, hmm. that I picked up there, um, they're not really ash cans, but like preview copies. They had eight page or eight, yeah, eight page issues. And you could get like, I think it was five or six comics that for like $3 or something like that. I'm like for $3 to get, you know, a full comic of a whole bunch of different type. Like I'm, I'm good on that one. Um, so that oh. was there. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of any other like really interesting comic stuff that stood out. That's about it, as far as I can think of. As far as the major... Yeah, as far as major comic Mm. stuff, that was about what I noticed. Um, Yeah, it it was the year when, like, nothing really jumped out at me, which was kind of fascinating. There's always, like, one or two interesting stories, and there just wasn't this year.
1: Well, did you end up catching any of the... um... Black Heroes Matter action that happened. At...
0: Um, I didn't. Uh, every time they had something going on, unfortunately, I had to be somewhere else. So... so I guess I can
1: kind of summarize this stuff for like from the online perspective. So yeah, um, David F. Walker and some other black creators. I wanted to sort of get together a group of fans at Comic Con to like basically do like a solidarity image, um, and there was you're using the hashtag black heroes matter to emphasize the importance of, you know, having like black superheroes and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, there wasn't, there was a response to that. Ron Wimberly, who's another awesome black comics writer and artist. Has I met going, him, by the like, way. Oh, you finally met him. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I, like Sorry. he's got two huge sexy comic books coming out this year that are going to be really good to get your teeth into if you're
0: He's way younger in, like, than I thought social- he was.
1: Oh, you didn't realize he was our age? Yeah, he's like yeah, no. <laughs> our age. We're not that young, but yeah, we're not. I don't know. Whatever it is, we are. But um, sorry. But anyway, uh, he was felt like it was sort of seemed like trying to ride, off... you know, completely well intentioned. He's like, this is this is well intentioned. This is just a strategic thing that I think doesn't make sense because it seems like you're using the swagger essentially of Black Lives Matter to promote something which is essentially corporate um, and that that there's definitely a need to do something to say that like, yes, black superheroes matter and black characters matter, but that if you are using the same uh, meme essentially as black lives matter, then you're stealing from black lives matters, cultural cachet and not bringing anything back to it. So I thought that was an interesting response to it. Folks can go check out. Uh, What he said on my Tumblr, actually, I just shared what he had said, um, which is E-L-A-N-A, Brooklyn, you know, is my Tumblr. Um, And if you look at the hashtag Black Heroes Matter, you can see what folks posted for that. So, you know, I'm always really interested in, like, people engaging in popular culture and activism in the same place. So uh, I'm always watching that kind of stuff to see how it pans out.
0: Well, So there was, that's actually probably one thing that I didn't notice, and it wasn't so much a story I thought it was interesting, was there was a shit ton of Bernie stuff. Um, clearly oh. people were doing stuff and, and like action figures for him but like, you know how some, there's uh, toy companies that are kind of the underground toy companies that do really small print runs and they're mm-hmm. like, you can get action figure for like $60 type of thing. Um, but there was like a lot of that. And I took photos of them. Um but I did notice that there was a lot of uh Bernie as toys. Um or the interesting one was the, the toy companies that were the more mass produced stuff, um, that did a Bernie Clinton and Trump one. Like Clinton would be there, Bernie and Trump would be sold out, which I thought was really interesting, um to to see. And I'm I'm trying to think of the companies that were doing it, but there was there was actually a lot of Bernie action figures and just Bernie stuff in general.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there ends up being a Bernie analog in a comic sooner than later.
0: Ted Rao did, uh, I just saw this um, this past week, and Ted Rao uh, did a Bernie um, like mini graphic novel like he did for Snowden that I didn't even know about. I had no idea it came out um and it looks like it was done obviously done before the the campaign was kind of in full swing or and clearly before it ended so i'm kind of interested to see if it gets updated at some point but i had no idea that that was uh that was released at all i think it's like seven stories press did it um i found it at um i didn't buy it because i just have shit ton to read um mm-hmm. i saw it at big planet but it was i thought i didn't even know about it i was kind of fascinated
1: Interesting. What yeah. did you think about the this year's Eisner Awards? For folks
0: who don't um, know the Eisner Awards
1: are the big <clears throat> awards in the comics community, like for comics writing and art
0: and things like that. It sounds bad, but not much of. I really don't have much of an opinion on it. Like, solid people won, and kind of that's when we shrugged my shoulders.
1: <laughs> I'm like less thrilled that Dan Slott won and Eisner just because I feel like. People need to stop feeding his ego. Um, Lee Alred's art on Silver Surfer is wonderful, and was like the only reason to read the comic. But it was also like so wonderful that it would give you a reason to read the comic. Um, but uh, yeah, I you know I was a little bit sad to see some more independent work not getting as much recognition. And I continue to be mystified by the Eisners judging of comics journalism. Um, it doesn't seem to, like, actually award journalism, so. Or I guess I should say comics writing, writing about comics. Basically, I think Janelle Anselin should have won the award. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um having made the biggest contribution in her expose of sexual harassment in the industry. Was not yeah. nominated. Makes me angry. no.
0: I submitted, um, but they tend to also submit I know. sites. They don't really do, like, individuals. If I could have just submitted her, if I knew I could just submit her, I would have submitted just her because, yeah. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have wanted
1: Remember how everybody was like, why is Valiant um, on every ballot? Because Valiant had actually, like, asked its people to
0: submit
1: to yeah. their work. Um, did they, were there any Valiant titles that won this year?
0: Uh, I have to go look. i I have no idea. I don't, um I
1: don't think there were I do feel like Valiant is turning in a much stronger um class than I've seen. I, I um I read an issue of I read Faith issue one, which uh, of the new permanent Faith series, Faith yep. being the plus size superhero who's like also just sort of like modern day Clark Kent in a lot of ways. Um she uh Slash Modern Day Spider Man. I don't know. Let me get back to you on that. But um, and <laughs> the, the end of the book, they had promo pages for other comics that were being put out by Valiant, and a couple of them were things that I looked at and said, I would read this. Um, Generation Zero sounds like it might be cool. Uh And yep. then there's a Peter Milligan's doing one, like Britannia or something like that. Yep. It doesn't. The preview didn't look that good, but the concept is interesting enough that I'll probably check it out.
0: So, yeah. I mean, I. I keep on saying, and, and Alex on the site is also, I think, completely in this camp. Is uh, you know, out of all the publishers, I think Valiant puts out the most consistent um, line of comics. Um, I think pretty much everything is quality. There's very few things like there's some stuff, so and there's kind of issues that are you know hit and miss. But you know, looking at the big picture of stuff, they are the most consistent publisher. Like it's it's usually entertaining. Um, It's fun. Um, It's a good, like, it's good world building. And things don't get kind of over, you know, bloated. They know how to transition from one event to the next and how to bring in series and exit series and make it all feel very natural and flow together. And you can read one comic and enjoy it, or you can read everything and kind of get the big picture. Um, You know, I I have to give them a lot of credit. I think it's going to be interesting when... Valiant film or comics start coming out in film to see what happens at there at that point, because I could see them uh, potentially taking on the big two. Like they can easily get up there um, with, I think some of their, their series depending on how films go. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it's like the, it's like I posed in the article that I wrote with you guys for graphic policy a couple maybe about a month and a half ago, another, yeah. is another universe possible? Um, you know, we're seeing that Valiant as a publisher that's really trying to put itself in, as an entry into the question of, like, can we get people invested in another superhero universe? Um, and I think it's an interesting question.
0: And they're smart. Uh, I think the one thing that not enough people give Valiant credit for is they are willing to try... Really different and interesting things to get people to go to shops and check out comics. So uh, it was last year at one point they teamed up with some coffee shop and you bought coffee and I think you got like a digital code uh, for comics. And their latest thing was they teamed up with I think eleven shops or so and purchased uh, whatever it is bait lure whatever the hell it is for uh, for Pokemon Go. So people would then go to the shops and, and you know, be more, hopefully more likely to go to the shops and check things out. Um, so you know, they're willing to spend money and try new things to get people to look at comics. So to, to me, that's the big thing with them is that I would not uh, count them out. And if I was a betting man, I would have probably put money to ride on them for a really long time. Because sooner or later, they're going to hit something that works and works to, like, an obnoxious degree, and you're going to see them just completely take off. And I don't know what it's going to be, and I have no idea, you know, when it will be, but at some point, one of the marketing things is going to just really hit and skyrocket. So, you know, they're trying new things, which is something, you know, a good chunk of the publishers aren't doing.
1: Yeah. We should talk to them on the show, like have someone from the publishing end of it.
0: We, we should. Yeah, I'll ping Adam. Yep, I'll, I'll do that. There's a couple folks I can talk to that would probably love to talk about that sort of stuff. But yeah, oh, I'm sure. We can definitely so, do that at um, some point.
1: Now, did I have any other final questions about things coming out of... No, and I think that was it, really, for me.
0: Okay. My my voice is starting to get going, so that's probably not a bad point. Hopefully you're going to heal
1: up soon. Well, we have exciting treat for folks coming up next week. We're going to be interviewing somebody who's just like a real mover and shaker and like just really changed the world of comics, Um, which is Phil Phil Jimenez. He's going to be – he's writing and drawing the new Superwoman comic. But you may know him from before as – artist who's been with DC Comics forever and is amazingly talented and I think he was the first out person in mainstream comics
0: possibly definitely one of the earliest ones
1: um, so that's a big deal and I'm excited to have him on the show I've wanted have him on for a long time and um, I, I think when we did the fantasy draft of who we wanted to have on which book for DC Rebirth I think I assigned him to like 50 different things but um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he'll be doing writing and drawing Superwoman starring Lois Lane so yeah Yeah. he'll be joining us on Monday very excited about that yeah
0: so that's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we'll have that up hopefully later this week so you can mark it on your calendar and then join us but yeah it's going to be a great one Um, so yeah we're going to wrap up and until next time you can catch us at graphicpolicy.com Of course, we're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all at Graphic Policy. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm Brett. I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky.